Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to NeuroDetergent. And this is Sarah, licensed clinical social worker. And this is Katie, licensed professional counselor. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. What are we forgetting? Um, um oh, fun. Fun. And laughs. And laughs. Along the way, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> A stubborn stain on your atypical brain. You need neurodetergents. We're gonna spill the tea about ADHD and wipe it clean with neurodetergents. You need neurodetergents. Alright, you are listening to Neurodetergent episode 17. The big one seven. The big one seven. Sarah. What? How do you feel? <laughs> Seven is it seventeen? Is that supposed to be the unlucky number? Or is that thirteen? There's a lot of there's a lot of myths and lore around that. Oh, I like seventeen. It's a cool uh, my mom me. was born on September seventeenth and died on May seventeenth. Oh wow! So I would say it's it has significant. a significance. It comes up in my life a lot. So how was your week? <laughs> <laughs> to change the subject, segue segue into weeks. Um, Eric, what did you do last night? I actually, for the first time ever, saw a live professional wrestling event. I mean, it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never been to a live show before, but this was also like a very small, like regional promotion um, in a very small venue. And I would say maybe, maybe 300 people were there. Um, was there like a communal sense of like, like people like smiling at each other? Kind oh of yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, did you shake hands? I didn't shake hands mm. with anybody, Post but COVID. Uh, yuck. Um, I I noticed that like a lot of people had shirts for like some of the wrestlers that were there, and they're they're chanting their catchphrases and stuff. Oh, and that's cool. so the people that go to these shows obviously follow those. Are you this a new promotion. fan of anybody right now? Huh? Like, did anybody make a fan out of you? Oh, I'm coming again. Um, <laughs> like. <laughs> Or I'm going again. Maybe I should rephrase that. I, I, I'm um, coming. Which wrestler made you want to come again? <laughs> um, I wouldn't necessarily say there was any particular one as much as just how much fun it was, yeah. how much fun everybody was having. Did That's any cool. of the wrestlers um, have a come from behind moment? Oh, yeah. There was a few. There was one. Like, the, the actual booking of the, the matches was pretty cool. Yeah. The way they did it. Because it was a tournament for this championship. And, uh, like, one of the matches ended in a count out where one of the heels ran out and distracted the man. What's a heel? A heel is a bad guy. Oh, I love it. I mean, like, <laughs> do you know a that? Whole, I mean, I know that a heel in, like... Uh, like when Bugs Bunny says that, it's like not a good person. But I didn't yeah. know in wrestling. Bugs Bunny There's the heels, the heels in the face. Call somebody a heel in uh, one of the cartoons. I don't. It's a random pop up. I've never heard it. Yeah, you're either you're either a face or a heel in, okay. in professional yeah. wrestling. Face is, so like face is good Hulk guy? Hogan. Yeah. So okay. Hulk Hogan Hulk was a was a face, but then when he did the NWO thing, he did a heel turn Ooh, and became the heel. A heel turn. Kind of yeah. like I know that. Kind, I who's know the slang. music guy that you like that did that? That turned into the the bad guy, country music guy. Oh, Garth, I mean, Brooks? Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks. Uh, listen, Chris Gaines is not a heel turn for Garth. Oh, he's Garth not. Oh, sorry, <laughs> he has black hair. He like looks he has darker. A sweet soul patch. I know oh that God. usually means evil. A soul patch. In well, like in an tropes. evil twin, maybe. You know how yeah, like, like when Spock oh. had the evil twin that yeah, had the goatee. I really yeah. want to ask Eric before I forget. Okay. If you were a professional wrestler, would you be a face or a heel? 
I'd probably be a heel. Absolutely, you would. You would be the best. The most fun. What would I be? Um, you'd be a face, please. Probably. You have like a following of people. But you can also be. You can also be like the anti-hero too. Yeah. You know, because yeah. All right, I like it. <laughs> because there's a lot of instances where the I heels get warlock. Oh, is that a thing? No, it's not. It's I a mean, that could, thing. Be, that could be a gimmick. But speaking of the gimmicks yeah. for these things, like they really committed to the the storylines and the characters and everything. There was a tag team called Toxic Masculinity, I love and I it. saw it on the card. Yeah. But here's the thing: I was like, surely they're going to be heels. No, they were the, like everyone was cheering uh, them. They them were on. the good guys, oh. but they lost. Oh, and good. so I was glad that toxic good. masculinity so, got beat. Can I ask a question? This sure. Is, no disrespect, okay? Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about wrestling. Surprise, uh-huh. surprise. Is the outcome known? Yeah. Well, okay. it's not known to the to the audience. Is it known to the wrestlers? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why so it's entertainment wrestling. Yeah, it's it's do sports people, entertainment, do and I was game? sports Improv. entertained. I don't think so. Do people, do people gamble? gamble? I doubt it. Like, oh. I don't see why you would. But it's it's entertainment. And, it's fun because you and never it know. Is, right. And it is like watching someone do something physical. Like, there were people mm-hmm. jumping off the top rope and throwing people out. They had an eight-man battle royal. Uh, I've never seen anyone fake die, but there have been people who died. In I the, guess, like, The Undertaker, would he be, like, n- the, And then the he undead? would sit up all dramatic. He did, like, a buried alive thing once, and his hand came out of the, the grave. Oh, this was, like, best. when I was a kid. The Undertaker's <laughs> my favorite. He has my name tattooed <clears> on his neck. <laughs> but this uh, isn't a pro on. wrestling podcast I could talk about it for a while if you want but no we don't need to um, okay. so how was your weeks what did you do we just got our house in order. You did get your house in order. It looks fantastic. Right? Thank yeah. you. Summer, baby. Oh, my gosh. Katie did so much and put all the artwork up, and we, like, did a little altar thing and cleaned house. It was awesome. Yeah. Curtains and uh, room dividers. And yeah, it's been really nice. I So, like... Uh, wood staining. Yes. As, all of our art got put up. It was yes. all sort of, like, being collected so that we could disperse it. It was stressing me out so bad. I, so I am a, like, I, oh, I step on things without looking mm-hmm. and, like, just accidentally break things all the time. Oh, yeah. Even when everything is just perfectly in order. And so when things are not perfectly in order, I feel like I broke two shelves uh, because I stepped on them. Literally, like, what? Um, but anyways, so... I was very excited when everything got put away and put up because then there's less of a chance that I'm going to break something by accident. Also, we won trivia. We get to be the We won trivia. We did win trivia. And you came up with like a... trivia through the power of of our neurodivergence. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There's a round where you wager so many points and we were like in third place and you can wager points in the last round. So I just got out my calculator and I just presented the numbers to y'all and it was like, if we bet this many points, this is what our final score will be. If we get it wrong, this is what it'll be when we get right. And we chose to go for two thirds of our points. No Nobody got the question right. Everybody must have wagered way more mm-hmm. than we did. And we won the whole round with 41 points. There. And that gave me the idea. Anybody who's listening to this show knows. Uh, I went home and made a spreadsheet. So <laughs> now it's on. Like, seriously, it's on my phone. So when we go to it next week, when we're chilling up in VIP yes. and, uh, you know, drinking no with fainting. our with our <laughs> bar cash winnings, um, when it's time for the final round, all I have to do is input our yeah. score and it will spit out all these numbers and then we can just so, boom here it is I think that's awesome um, 
I think that there was a team that was not present that night. Who, Trashy PBRs. Yeah, who who very conservatively oh, wager. Yeah, yeah. Both yeah. of those teams conservatively wager, and so I don't think we'll have a full scope of what it'll look like until those teams are present. We may have to yeah. reevaluate. We may have to reevaluate. Well, it gives us all of the, the possible outcomes as far as how much we wager. If I understood so. anything about that, like I wouldn't understand that, but I don't. <laughs> so I'm glad you told me. <laughs> All right. So um, what we're talking about today, actually, this is kind of the first time we're going to kind of I'm not going to say deep dive because I don't think that's exactly what we're doing. But it's more of like um, a a light skim, a light skim of uh, a (laughs) movie (laughs) that that we all watched together. We mentioned it a couple of weeks ago and uh, we finally uh, gotten together to talk about it. So before we get into it, there's going to be hella spoilers ahead. So if you have not seen everything everywhere all at once, pause this, pause this, watch it and then come back to it. But if you if you haven't seen it, don't listen to if you're going to see it, don't listen to it. Um, Unless you like to do that. Unless you like to do that. And that's your thing or whatever. But like there's going to be some spoiler alert. So this is your this is your um, alert. Everything Everywhere All at Once is a visionary film that blurs reality's boundaries and explores parallel universes and the complexities of identity. With a talented ensemble cast including Michelle Yeoh and Jamie Lee Curtis, the film authentically delves into neurodivergent themes. Its distinct visual style, surreal imagery, and seamless universe transitions create a visually stunning and intellectually engaging experience. The film's exploration of neurodivergence, interconnectedness, and embracing one's true self has earned critical acclaim, sparking discussions, and leaving a lasting impact on viewers. Celebrated for its visionary direction and powerful performances, Everything Everywhere All at Once is hailed as a groundbreaking cinematic achievement that challenges storytelling conventions and invites audiences to contemplate the mysteries of the human experience and the limitless potential of the multiverse. All right, what do you want to start with? I So one question, um, or one thing I was thinking we should talk about is um, like why is this movie connected with neurodivergence like a quick overview of that so and I was going to preface too with like the first time I watched the movie I was really watching it through a neurodivergent lens and there are other themes that we'll get to later that are important as well that like uh, add a lot more depth when I watch it again sure um, <clears throat> so I watched an interview of the directors, the Daniels, and Daniel Kwan was saying that he was basing Michelle Yeoh's character off of himself. And while he was sharing the story, someone had said that that character seemed like they had ADHD. And to go with the multiverse that they were exploring, they thought ADHD would be kind of a cool theme, but they didn't want to do something that was disrespectful, so they decided to research it. And Daniel Kwan said he stayed up all night researching it and was like, oh, shit, I have ADHD, (laughs) Uh, which I can relate to that. Um, He went and got formally diagnosed, uh, got some treatment that worked for him as far as, like, medication and therapy, um, and talked about how transformative that was. Um, But I think that that's really interesting. Um, So the writer of the movie. Co-writer. The co-writer of the movie in trying to employ these ADHD traits and themes into his movie realized that he himself had ADHD and he went and got formally evaluated for it. Wow. From what I understand, he wasn't tactful. I mean, he wasn't like uh, intentionally trying to employ the ADHD. Oh, he wasn't? It was just noted upon. It was just noted upon after somebody was... I understand. uh, Like after it was shared with somebody. And then after he explored that, he was like, oh, fuck. Look at me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) Womp, womp, womp. 
Um, I think one of my favorite parts about the movie with the multiverse is thinking about how, like, so one of my favorite parts about neurodivergent brains is that when ideas come in, like multiple parts of your brain, like light up with Mm -hmm. information, Mm -hmm. which is, is good and bad. Right. But the good part is, is it makes us really good problem solvers and really creative. And I love the idea that like when we experience something, like if we could access all, we do access all these multiverses of special interests that we've had, deep dives we've done on things. We have all this information available to us, which can be overwhelming, but then you can pick it down. And yeah. like, <clears throat> uh, one of the, um, in one of the scenes of the movie uh, where Jobu and Evelyn are talking and she says like the problem like it's like a good and a bad thing because at the same time that you can access everything at all at once which is very empowering and like puts you in a position that people can't really understand it also inhibits you from being able to like be in one space at one time just like devoted to that space right and so um excuse me whenever uh I was talking to a client the other day and I said uh, they said something and and they were saying like that they were doing some research about ADHD they uh, are on the spectrum um and they said I didn't realize that whenever you say like uh you had this in the back of your head that you were being literal that like that's happening consciously and it's back filed away and I was like oh yeah I was like uh a lot of times like it's just like waiting to get to it's time to be present or whatever and um it was just interesting because she was like explaining that to me and she was like that's so wild I can't even imagine what that would be like and I was like yeah I guess I didn't even think about it (laughs) it reminds me of like a dance circle and like one of you is dancing in the middle Mm -hmm. and like some of you are like can't wait to get out there and and some of you are like standing in the background like Mm -hmm. like there yes it is it is very Mm -hmm. like uh every everything kind of has to be compartmentalized so my experience was a little bit different than yours so I I had seen the movie previously the the first time that y'all watched it with me was my second time seeing it mm-hmm. and um when i watched it the first time it was shortly after it had been released and hit streaming and i was watching it with my uh wife at the time who wasn't a fan thought it was overlong <laughs> but i was very uh thoroughly engaged into the movie but it wasn't through a lens of uh, you know, neurodivergence or anything mm-hmm. like that. In fact, the reason we're even talking about this episode or talking about this movie in today's episode is because on Facebook we put on, you know, we just asked what were some of your favorite neurodivergent movies. And this one came up a lot mm-hmm. and actually won a poll. We had asked a question of which one we should do. So that's why we watch it. And here we are. Um, so watching it the second time uh, through the lens of neurodivergence, through the lens of those kinds of traits and characteristics and maybe like an interpretation of what's actually going on in our brains. It was even more mind blowing. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I love the, the way it switches back between multiverses where the main character is experiencing all these different things at the same time. And I was like, that's such a good visual representation a lot of times of how kind of our minds are worked where we can be there and I can be having a conversation and sometimes I can go on autopilot. I could just be talking and completely, completely thinking of a different thing yeah. in my head. Um, and it, can be really it was a great metaphor for that and a great visual yeah. for that. It's almost as if it's like watching uh, ADHD come alive on film yeah. <laughs> in a way, yeah. in a very entertaining <laughs> way. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
So yeah, that kind of leads into like your impressions of the film and how it relates to your neurodivergence. And like, that's kind of what you're saying is like, it seems like uh, kind of how you experience lot like you see things in there that you identify for sure I was thinking about like so I think it's important kind of going into the next thing that it is like I am watching that movie and I'm watching that from a lot of different perspectives I'm watching that from the perspective of somebody who has ADHD and who has the component of hyperactivity which I think is an important element and I'm also watching it from the perspective of a like a trauma informed mm-hmm. uh, clinician, licensed clinician right. who has um, worked globally mm-hmm. with different clients who are first generation, second generation immigrants who have who are um, who, who like have you know parents who survived the Holocaust and like have intergenerational trauma that's like really deeply rooted and um, and so I'm also watching it from that perspective and as well as somebody who has childhood trauma that's related to like generational trauma um and so i think like mom issues right right. like i have everyone's got mom issues somewhere right and so (laughs) yeah so there's a level of awareness that you have of them and like Mm -hmm. how they affect you and then like also like what that means in the sense of like in a like a family system also the trauma of not being diagnosed or having your diagnosis not be understood by your family and late in life late in life yeah So I guess there's just, like, a lot of elements that I think are important to, like, note Mm -hmm. in the sense, like, that, like, Sarah and I have these experiences, like, working with uh, clients internationally. And so I think it's important to, like, speak to that as we kind of go into this And that is another important theme that, like, which we can just kind of do that part here. But, like, Daniel Kwan is saying, and Daniel Scheinert, is that um, one of the themes is generational trauma and, like, the experience of uh, immigrants in America. Yeah. uh, Particularly Chinese, which a large portion of my clients over the last three years are, uh, you know, first generation immigrants in Canada. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the movie shows the the main characters are Chinese American immigrants. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of similar to, you know, we talked about watching Beef, Mm -hmm. uh, where that focused on, I believe they were Korean. Is that Uh, correct? And her husband was Japanese. And her Mm -hmm. husband was Japanese. And and I've really come to appreciate stories being told from these other perspectives. Mm -hmm. Me as well. um, Because it just, I don't know, it's a little bit more immersive Mm -hmm. when it kind of just, you know, plays on it as if this is just the way it is. Even like the cinematography and stuff, like those elements that are. Are like um, very like the colors are very specific. I don't know. There's something about that that really engages yeah, my imaginative yeah. brain. Right. Well, and, and it's like dopamine sorry, real quick floods. too about the <laughs> about that theme. It, like Daniel Kwan was saying that when they made um, Swiss Army Man, uh, that the characters in it were white in the movie um but he like co-wrote it from his per- one of his perspectives, and he was hanging out with a bunch of um like. Asian immigrant men and they were talking about it and they were like I know that that character is white but like that spoke to me like it felt like it was me and he said he that was a really important moment for him to be like I need to make something from this perspective this speaks to a lot of people and like yeah. this needs to be and he said that luckily by the time it took like four years or something to make the movie by the time the movie was ready to come out like audiences were ready like they were primed for mm-hmm. like something from that perspective because of beef because of crazy rich Asians because right. of things and I can't think of right it's now. interesting too like my son I, I don't think he would mind me saying this I'm not going to say his name or anything but he's 17 and he was legitimately obsessed with crazy rich Asians yeah. and squid games like oh, he, yeah, that was a good crazy one. rich Asians yeah, yeah. Was good. My, Michelle Yeoh is in that too mm-hmm. um, but um, 
he would talk about it all the time and he was just like, you have to watch this. And yeah. I was just like, right on. And then when, when he watched beef, I told him like, you got to watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, he, um, you know, there's something about that. Just like, I don't know how to describe it. I, if I did some research, I'd probably have better words for it, but it's just very appealing to me. Visually. It's, it's relatable because they are still in our country, you know? So the, the overall, in you know culture is the same but that like micro like how their day-to-day yeah. lives and the things they say and and like maybe the things they might have in their homes or in just the like kitchen the slights and, things like that. and the yeah. microaggressions in yeah. the movie everything everywhere all at once like when he when the customer says like i thought you guys were supposed to be good at math it's like oh yeah what? like it's very it's like it's i don't it's hard because i don't know how subtle it is if you're watching it, but to me, it's like so striking. It's like very. It must have been subtle like, to me. It must have been something that I didn't. It's pick like up on, as yeah. soon as I heard, I was like, "Ooh, like God, that's a microaggression." But mm-hmm. I don't know how micro it is because of the work we do. Like, right, you right. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like, so it's just easier for yeah. you to spot it, I think, than a lot of people. And well, maybe that's something we can talk about to. in a yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's something we can yeah. discuss. Well, in like a another thing episode. I thought in this vein of things, like as far as like how the movie relates to neuro- neurodivergence, I thought it was really cool how it took place in an office. A lot of the time mm-hmm. because like some people with neurodivergence experience of an office is like that oh, like it sure. is overwhelming the lights are like uh like it's green and like flickery and it's uncomfortable and it like, is and the dyspraxia it, like kind of shown in the movie in the film where it's like she's experiencing the multiverse and her mm-hmm. body is moving mm-hmm. as it's like capturing her and mm-hmm. she's moving in the multiverse in the same mm-hmm. way and it's like but she's like punching a popcorn out of somebody's hand mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that that is how I felt when I worked in an office it would be like mm-hmm. sudden movements where I was just like jerky and like trying to just mask and like train myself and to I think, sit still. I think because I've, I've been there too. I've, yeah. I've worked in office buildings. I've worked in vast seas of cubicles before and uh, they are very like dystopian in a sense. And I think the movie does a good job of like conveying that with the, the color tone of the of those scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get that, like, on a on a oh, personal yeah. level. Well, and I um, love when they go in the closet. It is sort of, like, suddenly a little bit still, kind mm-hmm. of like the rock world, when it just suddenly becomes still. And, like, when I worked in an office, there would be little places I would could, like, go the in bathroom a bathroom and shut the door. Water and suddenly face. it's just, like, the, the noise just goes whoop right. for a second. It is like, whoop. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh, come on. You got three more fucking right. hours and, bullshit. And most traditional offices are very bland. You know, Mm -hmm. and so like I see these, you see these like hip startup office pictures where they've got like couches and lounges and and all these kinds of things all over the place. I mean, that's cool. But I think that's also what can make people thrive in that work from home environment, especially neurodivergent people, because you can decorate your office because your office is in your home. I need stillness. Yeah. One thing I was thinking. I work in the dark. (laughs) One thing I was thinking, too, is that in the beginning of the movie, when they're at the tax office, it is like. When I'm imagining like being audited, for example, and I have to go to this like meeting with this tax lady and like there's like fucking trophies that look like butt plugs and I'm like fucking <laughs> everything. Oh, that scene. I, yes, oh my gosh. I can imagine if I put myself there, like my heart is beating in my ears and I cannot focus or pay attention. And so like I can imagine like that would feel like destruction. Everything would be destroyed around me during that space because it would be like so much would be on the line. Like maladaptive daydreaming. Like. I love, Real. like, I could, I so could see your brain sitting in that office thinking about Super Mario butt 
bumps. Oh, for real. Onto the yes. butt plug trophies and like not and even. And then going being there. back in there <clears throat> the next day and it's just like everything is the same. And it's like, ah, oh, when I was here, like just mm-hmm. knowing like the last time I was here, everything collapsed around me. Yeah. And like that's kind of how trauma, like when I think about working at the psych hospital and mm-hmm. like where I would go to work one day and it's like, some really traumatic shit would have happened the day yeah. before where it felt like and the experience was like the entire like it place shook was you. crashing down yeah. like the tower card yeah, right the tarot yeah. and just like and then the next day you go in and everything is the fucking same yeah. as it was right like the day before yeah it's wild mm-hmm. nothing ever yeah anyway so yeah so what were some of the other themes that you noticed in the movie besides just like neurodivergent themes Oh, I just had one too that, oh, depression was a theme I noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did read, uh, some of the, something that I read about it was saying like the black circle, like that was a big symbol of depression, like on the tax papers, big black circle, everything bagel, big black circle, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody's hair at one point, big black circle. And like, that is like, ugh, like that desolate like just like uh, where it's like depression and it's like kind of like a cycle it's not like an infinity like loop where it's like things change and like there's it's just a circle so it's like a cycle there's no end no beginning it just is bam right yeah it did start to change its shape, though, a little bit. Like, I feel like throughout the movie where it's, it did start to kind of represent, like, a womb or a vagina. At I think it did points, that, too. Like, yeah. it, like, evolved. Right, was, right. Oops, that was bad. Um, I picked up on, like, family relationships. That yeah. felt like a huge uh, theme for me. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if the both times uh, writers of the movie. Both times Yeah, time. that, both times, for yeah. sure. Um, I think the second time I watched it, I was trying to pick apart, like, neurodivergent type mm-hmm. stuff. But, yeah. like... So here's the thing, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I've noticed since I was probably like 30, like emotional scenes in movies and and like emotional music like makes me way more emotional now than it used to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I got teared up like there at the end whenever, you know, the mom and the daughter are kind of having that. I was was literally weeping. Yeah. Like I was clutching each other weeping. So much of that spoke to me on so many different levels. It was wild. I didn't realize that I, there were, points where I thought you were sleeping or no like, I was I, knew I was were, engaged I knew you were crying at the end. I knew you were crying but I'm you were a quiet. loud crier well, I'm, I'm not like, you know whoa. I'm not ashamed to admit that I get no, emotional yeah. but it is something that I I've picked up on or I picked up on pretty early and the first time it happened was when I watched the movie The Lovely Bones oh my and, god and um I love that there movie. was a scene towards the end where I just like broke down and I was watching it by myself and then I was like wow that's never happened to me before I've never had like a work of fiction you know drive me to that like place uh, Oh, really? And and it just happens more and more now um, as I get older. And I'm wondering, like, is that is that a thing that happens as people I get think, older? <laughs> I think, like, I I think that it might be just, like, a gender stereotype. I've always really here's, cried during movies. Here's like what that. my um, my take on that, Eric, that you, yeah. could, you could take your leave, is, like, if you are starting to allow yourself to feel things a little bit more and be more vulnerable, like, when you turn up some of those emotions, uh-huh. like... When you turn them down, they all turn down. And when you turn them up, now you have access to them a little bit stronger. Okay. And so when you feel things, you're just feeling them a little more because you're letting yourself. Okay. This may come as a surprise, but I've always been a pretty strong feeler. I have it. I can turn it on and off. Yeah. I've, and so I can relate to, like, sometimes we, feeling more, more than others. When we were on vacation, we were walking. This is a real quick story. And mm-hmm. there was a girl who her sister had, like, stepped on her singing castle. And she was really <sighs> 
upset. Yeah. And she was crying. And, I, and she was like, I hate you. And she was like, I don't love. And she was like really losing it. Yeah. And I was like, oof, I can relate. That was me. Yeah. And I've Just always feel been everything a very like fire hose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, movies like that, like, I mean, I remember watching, like, Land Before Time when I was mm-hmm. a kid and just sobbing my eyes well, out. Well, and you know what? I mean, feeling your feelings is kind of a theme in the movie itself, too. Mm-hmm. Because, Absolutely. you know, towards the end where she just, you know, chooses empathy for others instead of just letting it all, uh, you know, fall away. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of it. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, in, that whole movie invokes a lot of feelings and, and yeah. there is a lot of like, there's a huge comedic element to the movie too. We I can't, love, we can't it. downplay that yes. because, you know, what there's the, funny the butt plug out? fight oh, scene. Oh my God. I love the, Oh, the hot dog fingers. Like it's, it grosses me the fuck out, but also <laughs> it's just like so fucking good. Jamie Lee Curtis, oh, Michelle Yeoh. I'm read, obsessed with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I love her so much. I read that, um, the Daniels wrote like weird shit with the hot dog fingers right and mm-hmm. they were kind of like oh what the fuck so but then they just went with it and they were like let's fuck with them and jamie lee curtis and michelle Yeoh were like let's do the weirdest shit we can come up with <laughs> yeah. and that's how they got all that yes, weird shit i love that it's so good i, I love those women yeah, yeah. And, and you know props to jamie lee curtis for you know I playing such an outlandish that. role too oh, i mean I she's a professional Bidra, Bidra. Yeah. Like, it's the <laughs> she did her ever. own stunts oh, a lot her. a lot of them i don't know yeah. if all but I loved her. But I there's, love her. <laughs> it, it's great, but there's a lot of, like, I feel like there's a lot of themes that are borrowed from, like, multiple genres as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you've got, like, Kung the Fu Kung Fu, the martial arts movies, but even, you know, heavily science fiction. There were some yeah. scenes that reminded me, like, that looked, like, straight out of, like, Star Trek or something like that. Oh, well, know? the Improbability Drive. Yeah, uh, yeah. From absolutely. Hitchhiker's Guide. I was like, oh, I fucking know what that is. I just, in, like, over and over again, I was thinking, uh, for days, I was in a, I was in a spiral of like every moment that I had I would start thinking about it yeah. like what are like impro- like and I just could not for I don't know if you guys had that same experience like um, what are what like I would in any situation I'd think like for a second like what's the most improbable thing like oh, and I like love it. I, I did go into like that much deep time dives there, in but my I will brain now. about like what and then yeah. I was like oh I do this all the time it's kind of like intrusive thoughts for some people probably it absolutely it's like maladaptive daydreaming that's yeah. the, the world that I exist yeah. in it's just constant maladaptive daydreaming mm-hmm. of just yeah anyway so what are, what are some other scenes that would have stood out to you during the movie so okay I don't know I, I don't... oh I love the raccoon I forgot all about the oh, yeah. raccoon oh, remember yeah. when he's it, like, it was like a ratatouille <laughs> remember yeah when he comes back and what does he say like uh, was I being was I being raccoon Waymond yeah is that raccoon toy yeah yeah. Oh, wait, the anyway. raccoon was Waymond? No, remember no. when he was trying to understand at the end and he was kind of getting, like, he was using oh, the raccoon analogy right. and he was saying, like, is that what I was being? I don't, I don't the know. OG it was really Waymond. endearing to me. I liked it. Yeah. I don't know when the appropriate time to bring this up, but, like, no. something, <laughs> something that, like, was striking to me was, um, and we should just talk about it now, I guess, but the character Waymond, right, mm-hmm. who I could not find a single article or anything online that presented that character in any way except for like kind Mm -hmm. compassion all of these positive characteristics right right? um which was hard for me because like i did see him that way but i also think i interpreted his character a lot differently than other people how so so i think that like 
Okay, so when he is movie star, Waymond, right? Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yes. Okay. Well, in that her, universe her, where she's that a movie star, yes. yeah. In that universe, right? When he is that character, he says, like, this is how I fight. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, is that when he says it? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't fight like you. Like, this is how I have adapted to fighting. I think that like a lot of people interpret that as like all good. Right. But I think that in a lot of ways, like what he's saying is like my trauma and the things that I've experienced have resulted in like me being conditioned to fight this way. And it can be manipulative and it can be um, toxic positivity and it can be really dismissive. And like um, it's so it's not necessarily like I don't think of it as a positive thing. I think of it as like he does fight like that. And like um, fighting is negative whether you fight viciously and aggressively or whether you fight passively and aggressively um it's still fighting and so i think like if you look at his character as a whole and look at alpha waymond and him together like what is his relationship with his daughter i think that they speak one time in the entire movie together oh wow i didn't even notice that he is trying to kill his daughter he's trying yeah. to find he is the alpha is, waymond is trying to kill alpha, alpha joy has yeah. committed his entire life to chasing after evelyn and completely wanting to kill his daughter and like in in like the universe universe where they start like he doesn't even have a relationship with his daughter also seems pretty dismissive of him as if he's not a big part because there's a part where he comes in after they fought and he's like what's going on and they're like nothing like it's not even like whatever just go away well and you know what that might be and I don't want to sound insensitive or anything, but that might be part of that culture, though, as well, because the the father daughter relationship between Evelyn and and her father, yeah, uh, he's an so, asshole. <laughs> so I think this will be okay to say because uh, I have ha- like I have talked to a client about mm-hmm. this, um, okay. and they have the experience of being um, having the having a similar experience okay. as Joy. And um, I think that the most profound thing about Waymond is that his character is so different from the typical Chinese father uh, persona in any kind of media or even like in actual family systems that being emotional and allowing yourself to cry or like be sensitive is really not a characteristic, like even more so than maybe in Western culture. Um, and it's kind so of ingrained it is in, very, in yeah, their culture. It is a very profound shift from what, what you would um, expect to see from a typical father. But, like, all I can see is, like, that she is carrying everything on her shoulders. And even the way he talks to her and says things like, um, I'm not even going to ask if you need help because I know you'll say no. It's like mm-hmm. that is very passive aggressive. It is very, like, and, like, him, him painting the tile on the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, and that's it's done thing. so yeah, shitty. I think, I and think it's like, like, in the and he does like what what's that an airplane okay that was spooky sounding oh <laughs> Sorry. that's okay in the end he is emotional yes. right but he's not in the beginning in the beginning he is toxic positive because yes. like he's he's like sugarcoating things denying the he's reality like that's not a things. nice thing to say or he's like yeah. you know that your dad's gonna be so proud and she's yeah, like she's you like, know he's not like, like he you abandoned know my dad like, he's not gonna be so proud and he's like well you are right and kind of sets her up and yes, stuff for things and like that and I like, see that so yeah. many times in families like I do see that a lot especially in like um 
in like the generation that's like the generation like above me, like Gen X maybe yeah. and above. Like I see that in a lot of family systems in my therapeutic relationships where mom is kind of demonized and dad is praised, but the actual the actual relationship of like the dad and the and the daughter or the son or whatever is not present. Like the dad just never did anything. Yeah. To like, he stop. was never there to mess up. Right. Cause or he like he was passive or whatever. and like yeah. was always on their sides, but like, it was like kind of pseudo. Mm-hmm. And so I do see a lot of that dynamic in that movie. Cause in the very end, it takes to very extreme for him to even say like, Evelyn, that's enough. Right. And where it's like the whole universe is collapsing and mm-hmm. he's like, I don't. And like, and he's still being like, we should all love each other. You don't know. And everybody loves that scene and is like, Oh, he's so wholesome. He's this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, Oh my god, like dude. But he the did. fucking universe is getting sucked through a black hole. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Like that is fair. That is fair. <laughs> there is a perspective. Like like Daniel Shiner said that the reason he felt that was important is because he's a pacifist yeah. and he didn't want to be um glorifying violence, but it was a kung fu movie which he did love and he felt like a lot of I appreciate feelings. that. So he did want yeah. to put an element of that in there. I appreciate but that. But I also I, hear what you're yes. saying. Yes. And so I do want to be careful because I didn't I hesitated to even bring it up because mm-hmm. I could not find a single thing on the internet that would support even your support position. my position. So <laughs> I was like, should I even? This is an hey, unpopular. You know, hey, it hey, doesn't matter. You know, it's still an, an observation. If you disagree, let us know at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. But like, be like kind about it. Yeah. <laughs> don't be but a dick about don't, it. Don't hurt, be a wayman. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of the characters, how were the actors' performances? Like, how do you feel like they contributed to your like enjoyment or understanding of the movie? I can't think of a single one that let me down. No, I love them. I loved every I love single so one much. of them. I think that Jobu, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I that I feel like that actress. Jobu Tupaki. Jo- Stephanie Shu. Okay, Stephanie Shu. I'm just like mystified. Yeah. I mean, I am bewitched. Is that the right word? Sure. I just can't look away when she's like on the screen. Um, yeah. Her presence, magnetic. everything. Yeah. Much, much like the wrestling show I watched last night. I think when you, com- <laughs> I think when you commit to the bit, when you commit yes. to like the ridiculousness of it all, mm-hmm. that makes it so much more enjoyable. Kind of like we were talking about yes. Jamie Lee Curtis earlier. And, you know, every, like, there is so much and ridiculous, can, yes. like we're not even scratching the surface of what kind of ridiculous shit, like the, the yeah. butt plug fight scene. Oh my gosh. You it's know, it's like, I what think the hell? that the scene after Wayman's speech about like using kindness, and I think it starts to click with uh, Michelle Yeoh's character, Evelyn, and then Jobu comes out and Mike is, is going to like, like confronts her, right? And there's this moment where she starts to fight using jobu's like ridiculousness Mm -hmm. and she turns around and she like sees it for the first time and i from that moment on i don't think i stopped crying yeah yeah like even right now it's like so it's like so raw because i'm like oh like that's like all it takes sometimes it's for like somebody to like crack for a second Mm -hmm. and go oh like I get it. I yeah. get it. I see yeah. you. You see me. Like, I'm yeah. validating you. And, like, that. sometimes that's just, like, all it takes, especially, like, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it feels but good at the to same be seen time, it heard. feels like chaos. It yeah. feels like ins- it feels like your universe is, like, yeah. literally dying. A giant bagel. Yeah. Swirling around a black hole. With everything. Oh, it was so good, though. That bagel was delicious. Thank you for making those bagels. Yeah. You're welcome. 
I love doing that. Gong Gong's character was so interesting. Oh, the like, grandfather. The grandfather. Yes. Like, he and played how that character just so good. Yeah. So just like a block of concrete of like old tethered just, anchored ways and yes. just like a yeah. it made me so angry like did it not make you think about all of your clients who have been mm-hmm. like and you just wanted to be like fuck that guy right? <laughs> fuck him yes. like, he's so mad yeah <laughs> He's nothing if not kind of a dick. <laughs> but, like, he pl- – I don't – I mean, he plays a good – Yeah, the alpha version of Gong Gong is, is much more, like, aggressive. And Terrifying. he's got, like – in Scary. With yeah. the wheelchair with the coffee oh maker in the back, God. which I love. <laughs> I think in and of itself, uh, the red sweater that says punk on the back is, oh, like, its it. own character. You have to I tell the story. Tell the story. Just that the one of the costume people um, was going to Chinatown and shopping all the shops. And it was, like, a custom-knit, like – red Chinese sweater, a good luck sweater that said punk on the back. And like, they bought it because I guess that's character fitting. Yeah. Anyway, it's amazing. I love it I so love much. It. I hope that Michelle Yeoh got to like keep it and wear it. Like, I think she said she did. Oh, that makes me happy. If I remember right. Yeah. Or oh, I think so. I, I love Jamie Lee, Car- uh, like Curtis's character so much. And there is a clip of her on the internet. It's a, it's like a, um, just like a clip of her at an awards show, and she's talking about Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Sure. And she's like just going off, and it is the best. You can just tell like that those people actually like connected with each other. I feel yeah, like. like Jamie Lee Curtis. The reason she did the movie is because she wanted to work with Michelle Yeoh so bad. Yeah. Like, she oh, wow. thought she was amazing. It's yeah. got to feel good for Michelle Yeoh. Like, I mean, she just seems like such. When a someone's like, awesome "I'm gonna icon. do this just because yes. I want to work with like you," a legend. That's yeah. gonna make you feel so good. Oh, I love it. <laughs> they were amazing. Um, were there any aspects of the film that you found confusing or unclear? I mean, yes, oh. absolutely. It took uh, me two. Go- it took me two watches to like yeah. understand. I felt. I like- think if you don't have like a, if you're not well versed in the multiverse. Then, like, you need that background. I think I just, like, one of the elements was that I needed an anchor or Mm -hmm. something that was, like, okay, if this is a movie in which the ending is, like, okay, the mom, like, apologized, and so that, like, healed everything, and everything's back to normal the Mm -hmm. next day, and the, the office actually didn't... Yeah. collapse yeah. and everything's normal and there's not like a really solid reason why I'm like I fucking count me out yeah but that wasn't the movie right I just needed like to know what the elements were that were like the anchors of like realities in mm-hmm. the different universes and like to make that make sense we and made little flow charts we did oh uh, we had some timelines so yeah. it really did help yeah and, like I'm lucky enough to have like somebody who will do that with me because I need that well it helped me too yeah because it helped me get things straight and right like, yeah and I like so doing stuff like that that was really cool and I was really glad to have done that doing something like a flow chart has never occurred to me as far as trying to gain a better understanding of something uh, oh is that something you that, make is spreadsheets that, I mean I, I make spreadsheets but that's more to have like calculate things map? and to track things I no have. I haven't tell oh, me Eric, about it you would love a mind map oh I have like like book, like just journals of flowcharts and timelines, and like really, like okay, this happened in this room, and there, this is where people were sitting. Okay, like I needed to like kind of like ground myself, and so I would yeah. make kind of like things. We like went that. to this like shaman retreat one time, and we did this <laughs> reading, and we diagrammed the room and put yeah. the cards people drew in their spaces so that we could like. <laughs> Talk about the reading and like have context. We are weird. <laughs> you, I, I mean, I get I it. I mean, I get weird. it. And, and when I talk weird. to people about yeah. my okay. spreadsheets, so sometimes okay. 
When I talk to people about my spreadsheet, sometimes they'll tell me, well, I don't get it, but that's cool. Yeah. But no, I get I it. I love it's timelines. Just, I've never thought about doing, like, just like ordering things. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. And putting things in order like that. Uh, you know, so you can, like, understand something better. That's probably something I should try to do. Yeah, I love it. I love understanding things better. All right, so got another question for you all. Were there any uh, memorable quotes or dialogues that resonated with you? Um, I think Katie needs to get Agent of Chaos tattooed on her. I absolutely am going to get like Agent of Chaos, like maybe right here. Just where on your on people my... can't see where you're pointing. Oh, on my neck. I was just gonna say <laughs> clavicle. My clavicle. Is that what that is? Yeah, I don't know. That's... In some flowy, cute script, or what kind of font oh, would you choose? No, it has to be Hell fierce. Has to be Agent fierce. of Chaos. I, I'm an Agent of Chaos. Bro. Like one of those like metal band no. fonts where you can't barely read it. That'd be kind of cool. No. There probably is a metal band called Agent of Chaos or probably. a punk band. Oh. Uh, oh, on an offside, there was a metal band that played next door to where we do trivia, and they were called Security Footage. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> that. that was kind of funny. That's random. So I, like I think it. that there are a ton of memorable quotes, but I forgot my journal. Oh, and I so I can't really think of any. But I, I do, I will say when they are in like, I'm not really sure where they are, but but it's um, Evelyn talking to Joy mm-hmm. and it is Joy at the, in the moment. And she's saying like, I, I've seen, I know how you feel. And she was trying to explain to her because she had seen like an experience, like what that nothingness, everythingness feels like. And right. so she was trying to communicate that to her. She still had it confused because she kind of fucked it up by saying like, she uh, is trying to poison you. And like, she wasn't, and then she kind of spiraled from there, but there was a moment of that. And like, like, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like, it's, it's, that part was really moving to me. So there's that. I, I also, there's loved, not a lot of quotes that stick out to I me. I love the part where she is trying to talk about Rakakuni and she's trying to describe <laughs> it to them and she's taped Joy to the chair and <laughs> she's just like going off. It felt like a moment of like, oh, like it gave us kind of like a little tiny slice of like what that, that family looked like at one point, like where they were kind of, where they could kind of goof around with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, like we were seeing a one day in the life of them, but like there's, complexity there like that we don't get really very many glimpses of except for like the beginning where they're doing karaoke Mm -hmm. and then like that scene where they're kind of goofing around and they're laughing and she's like what the fuck are you doing and it's like kind of silly i wonder what a universe where they all just had a great relationship with each other would have even looked like i don't think it's possible (laughs) i just i I googled quotes real quick while we were talking about it one of my favorite quotes is when she comes out of that world and she was like i saw my life without you Oh God! She could have been there. It, it was, was beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh my God, that scene was so imagine being on the receiving end of that. No, oh it's that, heartbreaking. That, but that like, scene was so cringe. Like I had to kind of like. Oh, it's like, so, I to it's so autistic it. to me, though. Like, yes. something I would say without thinking, like how cruel it is, just to be like, just in the moment. I don't know. I do like it when her and Deidre are smoking the joint outside of the. Of the laundromat. Like, mm-hmm. I love that scene. It's like two chicks connecting. Like, I love when they go level. rescue the raccoon. That's the best. Oh, it's so weird. It's like, what's happening? <laughs> when she's like, get on my shoulders. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's so absurd. Extremely absurd. Any, yeah. Anything else on that one, Sarah? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, no, I mean, I think the it's pretty iconic when he's like... Uh, I would have loved a, or I would have liked a life where we just did laundry and taxes or whatever. It's like so like, oh. 
Did the film leave you with any lingering questions or thoughts? I mean, oh, endless and forever. Multitudes of possibilities of things that my life could we, be like. We, me and Sarah, had, like, talked for, like, two hours, like, like one of the nights that we watched, like, so mm-hmm. the next night, about all of, like, the different ways that, like, we could exist in different dimensions. And, yeah. like, made, What was your favorite? <laughs> I, I think that, like... Some of them got pretty wild, but we we talked about like t- like that um, universes are made up as like time, mm-hmm. and like time is the 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 moving thing, and that like we are just like vessels of that time, and so like we'll exist in another way. We're like passing through like a space right now where we inhibit these bodies because like it's the only way to pass through this time. It's like time travel. Like if yeah. everything <laughs> happens at the same time on top of each other because right. it's multidimensional, and like to get to like the twenty seventh dimension, uh, my being has to pass through this this one. Right, and it's just like it was a it was like a whole. We'd have to pull out the notes and stuff. Yeah, um, I think you can probably drive yourself a little batty. Oh, for uh, sure. We need know, a string board. Almost. It's probably a, it's probably a natural <laughs> thing for someone to you know daydream about what might have been if I hadn't have done this one what? thing, or if I hadn't have met this person, or if I hadn't have gotten in that car. Sure. You know, um, if I had met that person. Yeah, what what would my life be like now? And and it can get a little depressing sometimes. Um, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to bring it down right, on right. everybody. Um, anything else you want to <laughs> say about the movie? I don't think so. I recommend. Uh, I recommend it. Yeah, highly recommend it. I really it. would. I think this probably ranks like on my top three. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad I got to be there with you the first yeah. time you saw it. Be forewarned. It may you may cry. Rip you up a little bit. Yeah. Maybe get a therapist. <laughs> Do and when you have some time. It is long. So, oh, very you know, take breaks, take breaks, you, take breaks you know, drink water. <laughs> um, all right. But uh, so what are we here for? Mm. <laughs> I'm here for like this week. We are going to be VIP on trivia and I have a good feeling. I think like feeling good, feeling we're going to we're going to employ some uh, math and probability and we're going to yeah. be up there and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I it's feel like we are going to highlight my week. champions. I'm here for these bagels. Oh, bagels yes. always here always for bagels here i'm for here for bread. baking and my sourdough starter got sick and i had to nurse oh, it back to health so gross. i'm finally back into the sourdough game it's really fussy sometimes especially if you kind of miss a feeding or don't put it in the fridge and then Sounds it goes like a baby or talk it negative is. to it yeah i mean oh <laughs> They thought I was being a little too mean to Ollie earlier. No. no, it wasn't. It was just the words, not the tone. Your tone was very nice. I love him. He's my baby boy. But we do have a okay. we we like to joke around with each other. What are you it's here all good. for? Um, I'm here for um, good times at the Outlaw Mud Show Wrestling. <laughs> um, so is it going to be a thing that they do? Uh, they do it pretty often okay. um, in Springfield. Where we're at their next show is in August. Um, but it's, it was kind of hot. I think it's the 12th, but yeah. it was kind of hot in there. So I might wait until it cools down a little to go back. Um, but it was a lot of fun, you know, yeah. and if there's Hell one yeah. coming to your town, maybe you should check it out. It was there's a good time. Rest- what is it called? Uh, well, the one that I went to is called mid States wrestling, but there's independent promotions all over the place, you gotcha. know, so just, okay. just maybe Google in your area. Who knows? It was a lot of fun and we know it's fake. It's fine. Okay. 
<laughs> all right. All right, y'all. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, if you want to interact with us at all, you can do so on our Facebook page. Uh, we can also email us at neurodetergentpod at gmail.com. Uh, you can donate to us if you want through Spotify. Um, but uh, we love all the fan interaction. We love to hear from you, and we really appreciate you listening. Yep. <laughs>